This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is artichoke. Perfect, artichoke, I like it. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Summer Cowan. Summer uh, is a writer of speculative fiction with stories in cats, cycling across time and space, bikes, not rockets, pulp literature, and written with pride. She co-edited the anthology Nonstalgia. She's uh, published uh, two romantic novels under the name Sophie Karen. So welcome, Summer. Very glad to have you here today. Thanks for having me. So as the viewers know, we are dressed up in costume. We always dress up in costume, but the podcast listeners can't see what we're wearing. So tell everybody about the costume you chose to wear for today's show. Uh, well, when you said costume, of course, I had to pull out my Xena the Warrior Princess costume from five years ago, complete with chakram um, and all the, all the leather pleats. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to wear that again. That's so awesome. And I and I uh, saw that you were going to wear that and I was like, oh, what should I wear that would complement that? And then I went, uh hercules is turned out mm -hmm. to be kevin sorbo has turned out to be a horrible horrible human being i won't do not want to be associated with kevin sorbo so instead i figured out how to make a gabrielle costume so i i got a, a, a belly dancer costume and this blonde wig this long blonde wig uh and uh so i'm just gonna have to sit very still so that none of this around the belt area jingles at all and if it does doug mm. i apologize You'll have to cut all that out. Uh, I'll try and sit very still, but uh, we've got the Xena and Gabrielle going uh, going on today. So that's um, perfect. The blonde wig and the beard is a is a you know is is a choice, but then I have to remind myself gender is a construct. I'm sure this is fine. You know, the, for some folks, it it looks weird to me, but I just have to adjust to that. So. You would probably, you know, if we went to a fan con, I bet you wouldn't be the only one. That's right. That's right. They're actually, I go to Rose City Comic Con every year, and there are people who do these uh, gender-flipped superheroes, and they mm -hmm. are awesome. They are my favorite part every year. There's this guy who does Wonder Woman who is fantastic. So, yeah, I, 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 actually, the, the 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 bearded Wonder Woman is one of the coolest guys at, uh, <laughs> at Comic Con every summer. So this is a show about procrastinating, what we're doing when we're not doing our work, when we're not writing. So what's uh, what's something pop culture-y that's been taking you away from your work this last week? Well, I, I get to connect it to writing, right? I saw this movie called You Hurt My Feelings, uh, where's Julia Louise-Dreyfus, and she's a writer. And her first book was a memoir, and it did pretty well. And she's been writing this novel, and she's you know trying to get it published and she finds out on accident, walks up behind her husband as he's talking to someone else and hears him saying he really doesn't care for this book at all. Oh. And it just completely devastates her. Uh, and, you know, it, it's been fascinating just to think through, you know, what, what do we owe to each other as as writers and people who read for each other and all of that. Is, so. is that a is, is it played as a drama or as a I mean, for a writer, that's a horror story. Right. <laughs> but, but how is that handled in terms of the tone? 
Uh, I mean, there's definitely comedic elements to it. I don't think Julie Louise Dreyfus is going to go into a movie and play it like completely dramatic. And right. it probably would be a little. Although I think boring. she's capable. Oh, she can do anything for yeah. sure. But you know, but she's such a great comedic actor too. Um, but it it is like something that just completely devastates her and has her like rethinking her relationship that was really good before that. And uh, yeah, I've had some really good conversations with with friends since then. Uh, they're like their husbands will say, well, what am I supposed to say if I don't like it? Yeah, I uh, one of our authors, I will not name names, her husband has told me repeatedly that he didn't like the first version of her book with her there. And I'm like, oh, so uncomfortable. But then he goes on to explain that he loves the way it turned out and he really likes the whole trilogy. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And also, I don't know how comfortable it is for her. <laughs> you didn't like book one, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it's that that's that's fraught territory. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, that uh, uh, Crystal and I will have to watch that. I'll watch that with my fiance, and we'll, you know, I'll I'll just sit there and tear. Luckily, she very much liked my last one, so <laughs> it was a relief. Uh, so, what about news? What's been pulling you away from your writing in the news? I mean, I think like everybody, I I've been like hitting refresh on the news every half hour to see what's going on with the Titanic submarine uh, that went missing. Uh, which you know, it's at first it was kind of fascinating in like this Jules Verne adventure way like going down you know to see the titanic and almost this like homemade sub oh but, yeah uh, the news doesn't seem so good so no you know. and i'm wondering if it's going to end up being like do you remember that story there were a few years ago there was a plane that totally captured the news because it disappeared mm-hmm. and then as a news story it became very hard to sustain because there's nothing to say when you're saying we still didn't find it today you know mm-hmm. and i think like this story if if this thing uh you know if if the worst occurred which seems likely in a homemade sub at the bottom of the ocean imploded and is just debris they may never find it and i don't know how as a journalist you then conclude that story like we still don't have it you know yeah like well and that's that that's yeah <laughs> and you know the the news has moved on because there's nothing to find like this thing may be very small bits at the bottom of a very large ocean so uh we'll, we'll see how that plays out but it has been interesting also to follow people's different reactions you know some people are saying we shouldn't be paying attention to this because this is rich people behaving badly and some people saying we should so, show some sympathy these are human beings and some folks, I think, rightly pointing out, hey, we don't pay this much attention to migrants who are lost at sea in the Mediterranean. So it's a it's a complex story, but it becomes something of a Rorschach of it's less about the story and more about us and how we, you know, interact with it. Uh, so that's been interesting to follow yeah, I, the, I, I, the I kind of meta commentary. Yeah. I can see either way or, right? or all of them even because, yeah, like we don't send international resources to address like the migrants that have uh capsized recently or uh it's not super sympathetic when you think about billionaires on their dangerous adventures but you know at the same time it's still is fascinating for yeah. me yeah and i mean and it is it is it, it I, I think i totally understand why it is getting attention because it is such an interesting story you know and, and the engineers who are coming out of the woodwork saying i could have told you this thing was a disaster like <laughs> waiting to happen so mm-hmm. that has been interesting on kind of a science basis too like th- these people clearly didn't know what they were doing and and the few folks who tried to warn them were ignored and so that that has been really interesting mm-hmm. well and also just the 
the idea of getting in it, like, you know, cause you can't help but picture getting in this tiny little thing with no seats and then get it getting bolted from the outside. Yeah, no, and thank you. Can't get out until someone else lets you out. And oh. just how can you not picture, like, could I possibly handle that? You, you couldn't pay me to get into that thing and be bolted in on land. Right. <laughs> no <Yeah>. way. <laughs> it just sounds terrifying. Uh, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, you know, but some folks want that experience clearly, but, uh, oh, no. And, and I, my understanding is because of the pressures involved, there's no porthole. They were just going to see it from a camera inside oh. on a screen inside. So I'm like, send a drone. You don't have right. to go down there. Oh, <laughs> this is why I'm a writer and not like a deep sea adventure. Exactly. Yes. I will read about these things and write about them from the safety of my study. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's. Um, so what's something hobby wise that's been taking you away from your writing recently? Well, I've been trying to teach myself how to play the banjo. Uh, and I, I'm really bad. I'm really, really bad. So I'm not going to be like, oh, let me break it out for you for a second. No, no, I will not put you on spot. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think we don't have to be good at our hobbies. That's why they can be hobbies, right? Well, and we have to be willing to not be good to learn something. Like that's uh, that's a hard thing to teach students, you know, and I'm working with high schoolers all the time is giving them space to feel like, you know, failing at first is okay. And in fact, necessary is really hard. Uh, but uh, yeah. And, and then as adults, we're like, oh, it's too late for me to be right. failing frequently at something. So that's, that's really cool. And so have you felt the progress though? Yeah, a little bit. Like I can play a few things here and there. Um, you know, I can also recognize things more in music when I'm listening to it. So that's been kind of cool too. That's very war. And do you, is there banjo music that you like? Is that why you picked it up? What, what drew you to the banjo? Yeah. I, I've always just really loved the sound of it. Um, Steve Martin is an yes. incredible banjo player. Uh, like I, I bought a guitar or a banjo tab book of his and I cannot, I maybe oh. someday, but it is, the yeah. level of difficulty of his playing is just incredible. Uh, and obviously he gets credit in some circles for it, but oh, yeah. you don't think of him first and foremost as like an expert banjo player. But. Yeah, but no, I mean, that's my understanding is within the banjo community, he is recognized as a really legitimate, I mean, it's not like, oh, here is a, a comedian who's just doing this as a side thing. Like he is a really legitimate uh, uh, star among people who recognize really good playing. And he really is fantastic, right? So that that's yeah, that's cool. I inspired by uh, uh you know by him to to pick up the banjo. I'm sure he would appreciate that too. <laughs> so um, part of the point of the show is for help to help readers out there get to know you. And so I thought a fun way would be to to think about if you were a if playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and actually, you were the character yourself. So this isn't you. Of course, you can play any character. But if you yourself were a Dungeons and Dragons character, what race and class would you be? Okay, so I know very little about Dungeons and Dragons. And actually, the, the first time I ever heard about it was when I was a kid and somehow ended up watching like an episode of the 700 Club. Do you remember like the Pat yes. Robertson show? And there was this oh. whole thing about like, it, it was like, you know, this enactment of people playing Dungeons and Dragons and like somebody lost and so they had to go kill someone to get back in the game. And it's and then, all so like when I, the satanic panic stuff, right? Yes, it was wild. So when I finally like went to school and you know sat in on a game, I was like, oh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. very little like actual murder. Um <laughs> but but I, I you know I, I don't know a ton about it. So I just went with what sounded cool. I was like, okay, how about a dragonborn bard? 
because dragons always, um, and they would have a lot of stories to tell yes. if they were a bard. And I, and I may be butchering it because I don't totally understand. No, you're absolutely right. And I love the idea of bards as, uh, as a, a class because there's this recognition implicit in that that storytelling is powerful. You know, storytelling has 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 worth uh, in, in a group. And so, yeah, I love that. A dragonborn bard. Okay, so now you've been ambushed. Three little goblins in the woods, level one, so they're not particularly menacing, but you're being attacked. What do you do as a dragonborn bard in that situation? Can I fly? Can, uh, can I don't know. I don't see why I, not. I don't know if dragonborn folks have, have wings, but I feel like, you know, if I had wings, if I had fire, you know, you definitely would fly and uh, scorch some folks on the way out. Yep, that sounds like an excellent plan. Uh, yes, you know, get above them. You've got fire, fire breathing powers. And I like fire breathing as a uh, a talent to have as a storyteller too. That would be really cool. I mean, even in our world, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should learn fire breathing as some way to, you know, uh, be an exclamation point in storytelling. That would be, <laughs> that would be very cool. You know, there is someone um, down the road from me that late at night, they go outside and they juggle and breathe fire. And I, I go past them and they, they're doing it like every week. And it's amazing. So, you know, just come by. We'll make some introductions. Yes. Yes. Somebody who could teach me that. Would, well, I mean, wouldn't that be great if that person was like, you know, a, a, an accomplished storyteller and was out there telling stories while juggling fire and breathing fire and punctuating? I, I think that would be that would be great. Um, OK, so we're going to go to our ad break. And when we come back, I'll ask you about what you've been daydreaming about lately. Are you in the mood for a high school musical about a rock band fronted by a secret superhero? Look no further than The Gospel According to St. Rage by Karen Eisenbray and the sequel, Barbara and the Rage Brigade. From invisible girl to reluctant superhero to leader of her own super team, Barbara is all about truth, justice, and rock and roll. Angelica Rust, author of the Resident Witch series and Tales of Estonia, calls the St. Rage duology a witty, intelligent, and humorous tale of empowerment, friendship, and anxiety. And, as the cream on top of all of it, it comes with its own soundtrack. Get your copies of The Gospel According to St. Rage and Barbara and the Rage Brigade today. I want to take a brief second to give a shout out to our Writing Against the Darkness team. Every year we participate in The Longest Day, a fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Association. On the summer solstice, we write from dawn until dusk. We also do the shortest day on the winter solstice as a dress rehearsal. Authors can work on whatever they want, and it's a very productive day. This year we had a small team, just five of us, but we wrote 42,000 words in a single day. And we hit our fundraising goal. It's not too late to donate, so check the show notes for the link. And if you want to join our Writing Against the Darkness team in the future, we'd love to have you on the team. Thanks to all our Writing Against the Darkness authors and all of you who've donated. Welcome back. I'm here with Summer Cowan. And Summer, what have you been daydreaming about lately? I have become a little bit obsessed with the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, you know, it, it just happened in May. Sweden won. And I am trying to figure out if there's any way possible that I can get to Sweden next year to see the contest. Uh, they haven't announced where in Sweden it is yet or the actual dates, but it should be in May sometime next year. So <laughs> I've been obsessed with it. Is it always held in Sweden? No. So whoever wins. Oh, I see. Their country hosts it the next year. Oh, how? So there's even more incentive to have a, a winner from your country. You then get to be the host. That's that is very cool. And um, last year, Ukraine won, but they weren't able to host it. So the runners up 
hosted it. Oh yeah. Um, I, uh, I saw, uh, I heard a great podcast about people who gamble on Eurovision and I, I, it's a, I mean, it's a thing, you know, where they go all the way through all the stages and they are paying very close attention and they are kind of saying, I think this person's clearly more talented, but this group is more poppy and they're more likely to win. And, you know, this is, and, and do you go, this is going to be a Eurovision style song. Well, what if Eurovision itself kind of goes, we want to try something new. And so there's this very high stakes gambling on Eurovision, <laughs> which just sounds wild. I believe it. Because you also have to think about um, you can't vote for the performer from your own country. So there are I'm sure there are all kinds of political things still that come into play. Like, do, do I have an alliance with the country closest to me or, you know, do I want to curry favor with this country over yeah. here? It, it would be fascinating to figure out how they calculate the odds. I wonder if because so many folks in Europe are so into what football what we call soccer i wonder if it affects it where people are like i would love to vote for that country's group but they beat us last year in world in euro cup and <laughs> i'm gonna express my ire by not you know because yeah it's hard for people to necessarily you know uh, uh separate those things in their minds but maybe they're able to just judge the uh, the quality of the song i think there's a lot of uh, the, the way that it's formatted, they they do, it's like a, a, a song show, on, you know, in the United States where there's a, you know, background of the, the people involved so that you can go, oh, I really have positive feelings about this act and that kind of stuff too, right? Sure. And th so they, they also announce like who the performer is and what the song is like well in advance. So they're, you know, everyone's kind of like almost campaigning on TikTok and, and all of that too. So they're, they're doing, they're doing the most to try to promote their song. Uh, oh. until you until they get to the actual contest itself and then if you got to see it is it held in like uh, like you know the the song shows i've seen in the united states where it's just some massive hall and there's a stage and some judges and then you're just getting to hear these amazing acts it sounds like a great like bargain concert like i get to go see 20 bands <laughs> oh yeah uh so they it'll be in a stadium of some sorts um they don't know where yet like it's the, the politics is fascinating, too, because Stockholm, the, the football teams don't want to give up their stadiums mm. in May for that. Um, but they have two um, semifinals and then, you know, a couple of days later, the final. So there's a lot of opportunities, too. So if I yeah, can't get tickets yeah. to one, maybe I can get tickets to another. And have you ever been to Scandinavia before? No, but I randomly took uh, a class to learn Finnish uh, last winter. Uh, and so I would like to also go like next door and... Uh, and go to Finland and see if I can order a coffee because that's about all I can say. Yeah, hey, but that's something. Well, and if you're there, yeah, get the opportunity to travel around. What a one! I've not been to scan up. I've, the furthest north I've been in, you know, continental Europe is up into Germany and and France. I would love to get up into Scandinavia. I think that would be really really cool. So I'm I'm jealous. That sounds like a, and it sounds like a great reason to go. Like I'm going to go see Eurovision and also get to tour around. That would be really cool. Well, you know, uh, they haven't sold tickets yet, but you could come too. I, I should, I should, I should, yeah, I should, you know, I'm going to be going this next year to Southeast Asia and that's going to be really cool. But Crystal is not interested. She's like, it's going to be muggy <laughs> and she's right. It will be so hot and humid. And so maybe I can convince her, you know, if you don't want to go somewhere muggy, Scandinavia is nice and cool. So uh, maybe that would be our, a, a, a good compromise for us. Um, so, uh, what is something that you want listeners to know about what's going on in your writing career right now? 
Um, well, you mentioned before that uh, my alter ego writes uh, like romantic novels. I call them romantic novels because they're not so like romance, like, oof, you know, like <laughs> um, they're a little more like sweet stories. But my the ebook of my newest one is called Both Starts and Artichoke Hearts is on sale for 99 cents at Amazon right now. So you should go check that out. What a deal. What's that one about? Uh, it is about uh, two women who meet here in Indianapolis and open Indy's first fine dining vegan restaurants. And are they already a couple when they start the restaurant or is it about? No, or... no, no, no. Of course okay. not. That's so, part of the whole journey. To, yes. You know, so they, that and now that's, yes. So uh, uh, workplace romance in a vegan place in Indianapolis. That sounds great. So yeah, folks check and 99 cents by all means, get, get a copy of that. Excellent. Uh, so uh, what the next thing we do is every week we uh, post a uh, poll, and I need to pull up our poll from last week, but if I remember correctly, it's still at 100%. Um, so uh, the, the question was, crows or owls, which would you want to have your back? And uh, this was, it was striking because it was, as of yesterday, 100% crows. Everybody likes crows. Owls did not fare nearly as well. So uh, that was that was interesting. So uh, what would be the poll question you would want to ask folks? Well, I would like to know if, about avocados. Do people love them or hate them? So avocados, amazing or disgusting? I have my own very strong opinion about it. And as do I, we may uh, we may disagree. So uh, yeah, we can we can duke it out there on Twitter. So that will, question will go up on Twitter uh, the same day the show does, and so folks can weigh in. Avocados, amazing or disgusting? That's great. Um, so what is uh, the next thing in your to read pile? What are you looking forward to checking out next? Uh, I'm really excited to read Elliot Page's new memoir that just came out called Page Boy. I've read some of the excerpts that you know they they printed in a few different places, and it sounds really interesting. His yeah, I'm I am interested in his life story has got to just be that I would be really interested. I wonder if it'll be told chronologically and we'll get, you know, what he's had to deal with over the last few years uh, toward the end or if you know how that would be. That'd be an interesting story to to kind of uh, uh, try and try and tell, because I'm sure folks are really interested in what he's been experiencing over the last few years. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that that will be a good one. Um, so where can the listeners find you right now uh, online? Uh, well, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my page is Summer Jewel Cowan. Um, you might have to look up how to spell my last name, but you'll find me there. Um, I'm on Instagram at uh, the Summer Jewel. And I have a Twitter, but I haven't really kept up with it because of, you know, all of the things. Yeah. Uh, and I did, I did just, I got a Mastodon account and it's SK Writer, but I haven't used it much yet but if folks want to find me on there maybe we can get that going yes i i have i got mastodon and hive and something else when it looked like twitter might explode the next day and i have not been using them <laughs> consistently enough either but i've got them i'm there uh so yes we and i will post links to your facebook instagram and uh, mastodon in the show notes so folks who are up on mastodon can uh, connect with you there maybe you'll you'll get some mastodon folks uh, via the show that would be great um so I've got some folks to thank before we get to our final segment. Uh, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro, I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know how you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. Thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. If you're in a band and you would like your song used on the show, I would love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song, so email me. 
Thanks to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Uh, and I cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to the notapipepublishing.com uh, website and check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate it and review it wherever you found it and check out Summer's books, especially the new one, which is by what's the pen name again for that one? Sophie Karen. Sophie. And so, yeah. So I'm sorry, Sophie, what? Karen, K-E-R-E-N. K-E-R-E-N. So mm-hmm. folks, check that out. 99 cents. Get that one. Read it and then click on that fifth star. It's really helpful. Uh, make Summer's Day. Uh, and then uh, and do the same for the show, please. By all means, click that like button. Uh, you know, that that is that is very helpful for us, too. So uh, for our send off, three things that Summer and I want you to remember going into this next week. Summer, what's your first piece of advice for everybody? Thinking about writing counts as writing. Yeah. Yep. And that is, that's a hard thing for us to sometimes remember, right? When, when I'm scolding myself and I'm going, oh, I haven't been putting enough words on the page. Uh, so that, that very valuable advice. Uh, I would also say in life as in writing, it's the spaces between the words that make it all meaningful. A book without spaces would be gibberish and your life needs spaces too. So don't forget the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you.